0: Welcome to Getting to the Truth in His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today's guest, we have Megan McCorkle, the Director of Marketing and Communications at the Enoch Pratt Free Library. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Rob.
0: So this is great. It's it's great. Uh, You have a background in news as well. So we might have some news related questions, some reporter related questions in here. Um, But I want to start off. um, I did a little marketing stuff back in the day. And uh, I find like people have it. it, It's a little challenging for people to um, describe what marketing is. I think marketing people have a better uh, way of describing it. So if you will describe your work and what you're doing at the uh, library.
1: You know, for us, I think the number one thing is awareness. The library, especially here in Baltimore City, is so innovative in our programming. And we offer so many things to so many people. And I think a lot of times, unless you're really, really, truly looking for those services, you don't necessarily know that they are there. Um, So in a lot of ways, marketing for me is raising the awareness of the amazing things that the Pratt Library is doing in the city of Baltimore, specifically to the people that need it but also to the whole community. I think what people don't realize is the Pratt Library is a nationally renowned library. Um, when our uh, staff members go and get their master's in library service, um, they teach about the Pratt Library. So this place should be a major pride point for the city of Baltimore. Um, and so I just always want people to know everything that we're doing. And in another way, sort of harkening back to my roots as a journalist, is great storytelling um i think being able to tell the story of the pratt library is a real privilege and there's so many great stories to tell
0: that's that's great see it's like i said you know marketing person being able to speak on it (laughs) um so how so is it true that the there are more than 20 branches i I think i read that somewhere but um, i'm not sure how many branches um are, are there
1: so the Pratt Library has our Central Library downtown in Mount Vernon. Um, that is the also the State Library Resource Center, which is really interesting. We're the State Library of Maryland and then the Central Library. So if you've seen it, it stretches about two full city blocks, so it makes sense. Right. And then we 21 neighborhood branches all around um, Baltimore City. And then we actually have three mobile units. So we're able to serve those communities that we don't have a branch in. So we have a book buggy that is for little kids so you can jump on and come on to story time. And we travel to daycare and WIC centers for that. Then we have the uh, bookmobile, which is a library on wheels, essentially. And then we have our mobile job center, which is um, a really special vehicle that has 12 our 13 computer terminals on it. We actually teach people how to put their resume together. We print resumes. We help them job search all while on the vehicle. Now, of course, during COVID that has been um, difficult. It's hard to socialize or uh, like keep social distance inside of an RV, Um, but we're working on still providing those services. So the Pratt Library really is a little bit of everywhere all over the city of Baltimore.
0: It's a great resource. And I already I'm getting something outside of the conversation. I'm, getting, I'm learning something here because it's like, oh, you know, back in the day, uh, I I guess the location that would have been nearest me was uh, what is it uh, like maybe in, in Highland Town and that kind of area. Yeah,
1: South Library, that's actually my branch, okay.
0: And it <laughs> was one of those like, how hey, just hang out here, maybe read a book, and then wait for my dad to pick us up. Now it's like, I have a new reason to go to the library because, oh my gosh, you know, yes. I'm a little too audible focused, so I need to get back there and have something in my hands, man. You know,
1: <laughs> hey, listen, I also tell people, I think what people really don't realize, and I yell at my friends all the time, is you know, they download their books from Amazon, they download things from Audible, and I'm like, you know, that all of that's free at the Pratt Library. If you have your Pratt Library card, you can download the same eBooks that you're paying 20 bucks for on Amazon Hmm. for free. And you can download e-audiobooks. We have free music, free movies, free TV. And we actually have, if you don't have a Pratt library card, you could go on our website right now and anyone in the state of Maryland can sign up for a Pratt e-card. So if you signed up, you could be like watching a free TV show within the next 10 minutes.
0: You're selling tickets there, McCorkle. I'll I'll tell you that much. And (laughs) My job. (laughs) So I read that you, you, you moved from being an associated um, from being an Associated Press and award-winning uh, TV news reporter to working for the library, so so how did that transition? How did you get there to to the Pratt Library?
1: Well, first of all, I've always been a real supporter of libraries. Actually, um, growing up in a small town on the Jersey Shore, one of the first places I ever worked on a volunteer basis was it was the Brielle Public Library in our <laughs> small town of Brielle. We used to tell people, if you hit a second stoplight, you've gone too far because that's how small the town is. Um, so I've always had a passion for reading and, um, and libraries. And I got into journalism. I was in journalism for 16 years and I loved it, um, but it was time to look for a new challenge. And I was already involved with the Pratt Library. I was part of the Pratt Contemporaries, which is the young philanthropy group Mm -hmm. with the Pratt Library. So I was really familiar with the work they were doing. And I actually knew the previous communications director. And so when the job opened, he asked me if I was interested in it. And I talked to him a little bit more about it. And I wound up applying, kind of just saying like, well, we'll see. Um, And when I went in for interviews, I was just more and more inspired by everything everything the Pratt Library does. And like I said, I've been able to take my skills as a storyteller and move that into our marketing and communications department. When I first started at the Pratt, which was about four and a half years ago, I was the entire communications department. Um, I had half of one other employee, Tracy, um, that she did our social media. I used to laugh and tell her if there was a fire in the building, I only had to save half of her because she was my half employee. She worked half in another <laughs> department. Um, and today, four and a half years later, we have nine people that work in marketing and communications. That's
0: great. Yeah, we've
1: been we've been expanding. I'm really proud. Our department actually, you know, this is sort of in library world, so people. People don't realize it, but the Marketing and Communications Department at the Pratt Library has won the National Award for Library Marketing two years in a row back to back. We were laughing, saying that we didn't know you could win back to back. We're not sure a lot of other people have done that, but we're very proud of our efforts to raise the awareness of the Pratt Library and it's being noticed across the country.
0: Let's let's get that three Pete. Let's use that journalistic skills to do our own version <laughs> of the last dance. But, you know, library oriented, that'll be great.
1: I know. I was trying not to be too too gluttonous. We didn't take it home this year. We didn't really apply this year because we were so busy, within COVID, trying to you know put together a mobile library and you know change the way that we operate. So so awards were not on our radar for right now this year.
0: But mulligan a year. So it's all good. It's all good. (laughs) Uh, So you're so your Jersey transplant coming coming down here. So you know so ultimately. Was it a career move that brought you to Baltimore? And ultimately, um, what what keeps you in Baltimore outside of maybe outside of maybe work? Um, is it the people? Is it the culture? What, what brought you here and what keeps you here?
1: Sure. So like like you mentioned, work brought me here. Um, I was a journalist and I worked a little bit of all over the place. I was in Washington, D.C. That's where I went to college. And I worked um, a lot of journalism jobs there at a lot of different TV stations. And then I got transferred out to Columbus, Ohio, which was a great experience. Um, I learned all about college football in <laughs> Columbus, Ohio for the Buckeyes and Ohio State. So I was there for about two and a half years. And then the opportunity came up to work at WJZ here in Baltimore. Um, It was closer to my family. It was back on the East coast. Um, I had visited Baltimore quite a bit when I lived in Washington, DC. So, um, but you know, it was nothing like the experience of actually living here. And so I've been here for about five years now and I'm sorry, more than five years. I've been here almost 10 years now. I can't believe it. Um, And I think the thing that keeps me here is the people, Um, especially when I was a journalist, you work in different cities and the people are different in every city. In the Midwest, they're like shockingly nice, like to the point of where an East Coaster is kind of like, what's going on? Like, do you want something from me? So it's kind of funny. It took That took some getting used to. But in Baltimore, people are just real. Um, they're exactly who they are. And it's not that DC mentality of like, what do you do for a living and what can you do for me? Mm-hmm. Um, which I lived with for a really long time. Here, my mom laughs at me because she'll say like, Oh, that friend you mentioned, like, what do they do? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, like, who is the cool person? Like, I don't know what they do for a living. It doesn't, it didn't even phase me to think about that. So there's something about Baltimore that, um, that is really special. I think the food scene's amazing. I think the art scene is amazing. Um, There's so many great hidden gems here. And I think nationally, people really don't get a chance to see that. But if you live here, um, it's so appreciated, uh, appreciated.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's one of one of the things that this podcast and a few others aim to do. And it's show that we have cool people here that are connected to the the scene, uh, various scenes, um, the culture here and all of these different things and kind of. Adding to what the, that larger story is, and add a, a different layer to it because usually the the story is not the the best one um, as far as what Baltimore is. And one of the efforts that I put in place and v- being very demonstrative about it, it's like we got to show that there are people here, not just blind numbers and blind stories, and oh, mm-hmm. this negative thing happened here, but show that no, we have a lot of vibrancy and light and cool things here, and you know, I'm sure people listening to it don't know many of the things you said earlier about the library in itself and kind of take that for granted.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I remember one of the first weekends I moved here, the kinetic sculpture race happened. And I remember being like, what is going (laughs) on? And that is one of my very favorite events every single year since then. Cause like how many people get to like in the, in their city, see a giant pink poodle going down the street. Like, I don't think that happens in a lot of cities. And it, it's been one of my favorite things. It's the quirkiness of Baltimore with things like that. And the way that we rally around that and really support it. Um, I just love that. I love that about the city.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I've like in all of the interviews I've, I've had on there, I've, I've heard that 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 common theme. And it's almost like a it's almost a vetting mechanism to, to tell how long a person has been here. We'll we'll hear the the two things about the that kind of accessibility. Like it's it has some of the, those resources that are there for a larger city, but still like a small city. And in terms of the the people, it's just that authenticity that people are real. Those are the things that I hear. But I think it's a metric or a rubric to determine how long someone has been here, how they're described the people, how they're described to describe the city um, by and large.
1: Oh, yeah. I love like I think the nickname Smaltimore is perfect because I always laugh and say, like, if you just like meet somebody and have them name the people they know, eventually, like three or four in, you'll you'll have somebody you knew in common.
0: Absolutely. So obviously, a library is an in-person uh, venue. You, you've touched on it and you've touched on some of the pivots. I believe that's the uh, word that we've been using at my day job. Pivot, pivot, pivot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so speak on any other pivots that you you may not have touched on earlier or we may not be aware of who we should be more aware of that the library has done or you've done um, as a professional over the last 18 months.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, the second we closed the doors of the library, I think we worked harder than we maybe ever have before because there was so much need out there, right? So, like for the Pratt Library, people really rely on the Pratt, um, especially for things like digital access. Yeah, I would say um, right when the pandemic hit and we had to close the libraries, the first thing we thought about was the people who stand outside our libraries every single day to access our computers. Because the Pratt Library is the leader in digital equity in the city of Baltimore, bar none, and is a statewide leader too. We provide internet all across the state for people. So the first thing we started doing was thinking about like, what can we do to get people the internet that they need? Because internet is, you know, it's almost a basic human right at this point. You, if you need unemployment, if you, you have to file for everything, if you need a job, it all happens online now. So some of the first things we did, Did were um, we actually attached antennas to the outside of eight of our libraries so that people could stand outside the library and socially distance and still have access to Wi-Fi on their devices? Um, So that was one of the first things we did. Next, we started uh, we bought with private funding. We were able to buy a lot of hotspots and Chromebooks, and we started lending those just like we lend books. Um, So that was one of our main things. Our programs. I mean, the Pratt is known for our programs nationally, known for for our programs. And those programs never stopped through the pandemic. We just found different ways of doing them. So we honestly were doing um, story times on Facebook Live. Now we've gotten a lot more sophisticated where we can stream some of these author talks just this week we streamed um roxanne gay yeah. in conversation and it was on our we put it on our stream yard page it's on our youtube page on our facebook page so it's really interesting because now we're finding that people really like digesting that content that way so now that we're kind of uh, moving into a more in-person environment again, we're looking at what are the things that we can adapt that we did during the pandemic that people really enjoyed and liked, and how do we incorporate them into what we are doing? So, um, for instance, like if we have Roxanne Gay and she's in the middle of Central Hall with 500 people, how do we then stream that into maybe a bunch of other libraries, um, because it's a whole lot harder in this city for people to get to the central library because our public transit system is so difficult. Um, so what if we were able to stream it to the library at Pennsylvania Avenue and people could go there and have that same experience? Um, so yeah, I mean, we're taking a lot of our lessons that we learned from that. Um, I will tell you, we've had a ton of people sign up for our our e-card. We had the e-card prior to the pandemic Mm -hmm. and we had maybe 6,000 people that had signed up. I think today we're at like 26,000 people with e-cards. Yeah. Uh, so um, our databases are available for people. That's one thing we did, knowing that kids would be at home um, and back to school would be incredibly difficult. We actually have a live online tutor service. So say you're not so well versed in the algebra two your child is studying. You can actually take your Pratt library card, go on to our live online tutor service and a live tutor can help your child with their homework. <laughs> That's great. I mean, and that's just kind of I'm probably just the tip of the iceberg on the stuff that we've been able to do in the past 18 months um, to respond directly to the pandemic.
0: That that all sounds great. And Again, more, more stuff that I'm going to be sharing. Like I got a nephew and uh, he might need help with algebra, too. So, yeah, you, <laughs> you don't
1: have to learn it again.
0: <laughs> um, so. How do you stay attuned with what's going on uh, with the, tam- the, the 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 pandemic uh, without being bogged down with just the, the, sometimes it's just like I need to disconnect from it. So how do you 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 stay attuned and looking for like maybe new and creative ideas with that that shadow of the pandemic kind of kind of being around? Because some people are like, yeah, we can't do it. Moving on, but so how, so how do you kind of navigate that? I think
1: the Pratt Library, like, I, and I agree with you. I- I I keep telling everybody, you know, we feel more tired than normal, I feel like, because there's this like constant crisis like running in in the background now. And so it's really hard to kind of process what that looks like when you're trying to um, when you're trying to survive the pandemic, just like a normal, normal person. But I do think the one thing that keeps us going at the library is the fact that we know so many people rely on us and they rely on the services of the library. And so I think if you go back to our mission and we're so many people, listen, I feel like I'm blessed because I get to go to work every day. And I always tell my team, like, our job is just to help people. Mm -hmm. That's it. And like, we're a different cog in that wheel than maybe the librarian that's on the front line helping people, but we're helping people by letting them know that those services are there. And I really think that the people that work for the Pratt Library all have this motivating drive to help people. Mm -hmm. And so even though you are in this kind of worldwide crisis and you're seeing all of this on the TV, we're constantly sitting there talking to each other about like, so what can we do? Like, what can we do to make people's lives easier? And we hear a lot from, you know, we have our customers that are coming in every single day telling us like, I can't access unemployment. I have um you know issues with my food stamps and the Pratt has always been so responsive to that. So we have social workers that work in our libraries. We have lawyers in the library. Um, so I think in a lot of ways the Pratt is still doing exactly what we did before. We're just finding new and inventive ways to make sure that those services get out there. I always laugh I say in the city of Baltimore like if there's a problem to solve, a lot of times people turn to the Pratt Library to solve it, even if it's not like a traditional service. And it's always amazing to me, because we actually do find a lot of ways to solve these problems
0: yeah um I, I remember it was a period uh it was I guess is the uh, the Northwood branch what have you and I just remember it was a period where uh, my brother and I we were both unemployed and uh, for 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 a fair amount of time and the library became like a regular thing at least twice a week just going there it's like all right focus on some interviewing stuff like get on the internet for a little bit because you know when there is a divide and you don't have the access to some of these things the like the library, from my viewpoint, has always been viewed like it's, it's necessary. And I kind of came to that realization that it's necessary is something that you can use, take advantage of it. Um, once I became an adult, because I've always kind of had the Internet and so on. but when things got a little bit more challenging, I was like, all right, what are the resources that are available and it, it was the best version of that. It wasn't like, oh, let me borrow a friend's computer. Let me go through some books and all of that stuff. But it's like, go to the library. It's right there. So I'm always near one. That's another thing too. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I mean, that's the best part. That's why like the Pratt is in so many neighborhoods. So there really is um, kind of a spot that everyone can hopefully reach And I I mean, that's great to hear. Uh, Libraries have really evolved into like we have workforce development librarians that like it's their job specifically to help people with resumes, with unemployment, with doing job searches, but also doing mock interviews. So we have a ton of programs that are directed just towards that. And we actually have a job center at the central library. Um, It's the job and career center. And it was uh, erected during the library renovation, which the library was renovated. We opened in 2019, the new renovation. And, the spaces that we have in there are really remarkable. So we've got like a large classroom setting. So say there's a big resume writing workshop you might be in there. But then we have smaller spaces that have technology in it so that say like you and I are doing right now, we have to do a Zoom interview or a Skype interview for a job. You could actually do that at the library. And in that way You know, I think people instead of sitting shoulder to shoulder at a computer bank, you feel like a second class digital citizen doing something like that. We're going to put you in a professional setting where you will look like a professional who is ready for a career change and ready for that job. And the library really helps with that empowerment by creating those spaces for people.
0: Yeah. And, and one of the things that I joke about with my girlfriend all the time of like, they don't make it easy for, for people who either are poor or who don't have the resources. And, you know, going to um, some of these these resources, going to the different workforce development things, they they almost feel like a full time, full time job. And It's like certain things, if you don't do a piece of paperwork right or or something on those lines that you're back to the beginning of this whole process and it can be very frustrating and I can speak firsthand on it of like, yeah, I'm not going to fill it out. I'll do something different. And if you're able to go to a place that has resources to kind of help you navigate some of that stuff that you can kind of get that, that leg up that support and then be able to do it on your own and move forward. That's, that's crucial.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one of our key goals is just empowerment. Right. I mean, giving you we we keep saying, too, with the digital divide, like, sure, we can give out hotspots and Chromebooks till we're blue in the face. But if we can't empower people to learn how to use them, access doesn't mean anything. if You don't have the power to use them right now. We're talking about. You know, we're hopeful that we would get some federal funding from the American Rescue Plan. And one of the things we'd love to do is start a digital navigators program where we have someone in our branches. And right now our librarians are doing this, but it's like sort of on the side who is someone that can just teach you how to use this technology and empower you to use it so that you feel powerful and you feel knowledgeable and educated about this technology so you can use it to your fullest ability. And we really believe that that's a full-time job now in our libraries because that's what people are turning to us for. So we're looking at ways that we could really be responsive and move the library into the future because I feel like that's always what the Pratt is doing. We're trying to be 10 years ahead of where we are now.
0: I'm going to sign both of my parents up for that um, once it's in effect, uh, because it'll take something off of my plate. (laughs) Like, hey, Junior, are you free? It's like, I'm not, actually. But uh, what do you need?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, we already have some senior tech classes and things like that. So you can already refer them to us.
0: That sounds great. So I read that your current role um, is your dream job is a dream job for you. Is that true? And what do you like most about your job?
1: Um, you know what? It is a dream job because I like to tell stories. That was always the thing when I was a journalist. Um, I found there was a level of trust that people put in you to tell their stories. And I felt that responsibility heavily. Um, but that was always the thing I loved the most. And so now I've been able to sort of transition that into a job where I get to tell a lot of stories where they have a lot of happy endings, right? There's a lot of really good things that happen at the library and we're able to tell those stories. So for instance, just yesterday, I interviewed a woman who was part of what we call our Chromebook cohort. So she's a woman who lived in West Baltimore. Her family was going through a rough time. They had to cancel all their internet service. They couldn't afford it anymore. And so she randomly on her phone saw a tweet from the library one day about something called the Chromebook cohort. And she went over to the Pennsylvania Avenue branch and asked about it and she joined. And essentially what that is, is a program where we give you a Chromebook and a hotspot to take home and you get it for three months and then you log on every week. And it's basically like a group session. Um, <laughs> And it's people from, you know, all over the city in this group session with somebody from the Pratt library. And they talk about like, what are their goals? So what's your career goal? What's the next step you want to take? And how are we going to all work together to help you get there? Um, And so just to be able to like, listen to how empowered she was and how much that meant to her and how much it changed her life. I mean, that's a privilege. And in that way, it's a dream job because I get to hear all of the amazing stories. And, you know, you get all the warm and fuzzies of the things that happen every day at the library. Um, And I, you know, I I think people don't realize the important services that happen here. And so I get the privilege of trying to tell those stories, which, which is an amazing job. It really is.
0: That that's, that's great. It's, it's putting a, a smile, on this 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 black hearted face. So yes, um, that's it's great to hear that.
1: Yes, I get to smile a
0: lot. <laughs> so I read that you're a news junkie, obviously with the journalism background, uh, beach bum, and inspiring yogi. So um, could you speak more on that? Um, what's your favorite beach? Most challenging yoga move?
1: Oh Lord! So I grew up at the Jersey Shore. So it was kind of funny. Um, so uh, the beach was like a ten minute run from my house. You know what I mean? It's not far. So when I moved away from there, I kind of just, it was always like, what do people do in the summer? You know what I mean? Cause like, that's what we did all summer. There was always a beach. So I have been to beaches all over the world, but nothing will ever compare to my beach at Manasquan, New Jersey. My great grandmother had a beach house on the beach. And so we, you know, like when you're a kid, you just don't realize how spoiled you are. You just think everyone has the same stuff as you. And so we would like move from our house in town to the beach house and wake up in the morning morning, get to step into the sand and, you know, home was only like a few blocks away. So, um, but yeah, and I, have been all over the place, but I, that's really, that's home to me is Manisquan, um, and Brielle where I grew up. So that's my favorite beach. I have, I will tell you that I've, I'm a little remiss on my yoga since COVID. I am one of those people I'm like kind of ashamed, but also kind of like, okay with it to say, I did get a Peloton bike, I would like to point out that I talked to D Watkins about this and he also has a Peloton bike. <laughs> so, so we both got addicted to Peloton. And so I've been, I've been biking a lot more than doing yoga recently. So it's just, you know, it's a good stress reliever to just get on the bike and keep pedaling.
0: <laughs> I, um, I, ha- I don't have a Peloton, but I do have a, I think I have like a Schwinn like uh, stationary bike and I just <laughs> hit the weights like a lot. And <laughs> as, as my girlfriend mentioned, and she was like, I feel like you're the only person that I've seen that's lost weight during the pandemic, and it's like probably like 50 pounds. But yeah, <laughs> so,
1: was, no, I feel yeah, like it, it's just a good stress reliever, especially. And you know, I got my dog 18 months ago, and so now I gotta walk him like 20 times a day. So that helps too. Get I get all my steps in.
0: Yeah, dog energy is, is something. We have a, a doodle. and so he's a farm dog, and he's uh-huh. probably 95 pounds. Oh my goodness. And uh he's just a goofball and he's just the sweetest dog. But yeah, he yeah. loves to just walk. And then he gets tired, like almost immediately because he's such a big <laughs> dog. I was like, I'm not carrying you. That's not happening, buddy.
1: I have a sixty pound golden retriever. He's eighteen months, so he's like still got all the puppy energy, but he's like a big puppy. So you're like, oh man. Yeah. So. I'm hoping he calms down. Eventually the doctor, the vet just laughs at me when I say that. So (laughs) like,
0: not not as much (laughs) happen. (laughs) So this is the last question. This is the one I was uh, giving you the feedback, the the heads up on earlier. Um, This is my rapid fire question. Okay, I'm gonna try. I threw some Jersey stuff in there. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So now these are the way these rapid fire questions work. um, Just for the the folks that weren't on that pre-interview, interview, interview interview call. I will just ask the question and, you know, just answer it. There's no context really needed here. So okay.
1: I'll try not to be verbose. That's like downfall of mine.
0: You know what? That, that was a question here. Most marked characteristics. I took that out. Good. Uh, so you've got toast, eggs and cheese. What are you going with? Taylor ham or Scrapple? Choose wisely.
1: Oh, Taylor ham. Taylor ham. So Jersey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Taylor ham.
0: Favorite 90s jam.
1: Oh my gosh. That's so hard. Oh, I can't even think of all of it. I'm thinking of like, cause I was a cheerleader, which is not surprising to anyone who knows me. <laughs> so I'm like thinking of like all of the cheerleader dance songs that we have. So I don't know, like shake that body. Like all of those are like, those are the immediate things going to my mind and I'm embarrassed about it, but that's probably it.
0: I immediately thought of jock jams when you said, uh, cheerleader.
1: <laughs> right. I'm like, Oh, there's a lot of them
0: favorite part of Baltimore to hang out in? I was going to say party, but I like to hang out because not everybody likes to go on party, but to hang out.
1: You know what? Anywhere that's on the waterfront because for me, waterfront is home because I grew up at the beach. And so, so anywhere that's on the water just really like feels like home to me.
0: That's great. Uh, So this question came up yesterday and it was a really interesting answer from, um, from uh, Andy Hotchkiss from uh, Hammerjacks. We both bonded on being robe guys because that's our greatest extravagance. I was talking about, a, about buying a Versace robe because I'm ridiculous. What is oh. your greatest extravagance?
1: Oh my goodness. That one's a tough one. My greatest extravagance uh, probably like skincare or something like that. Cause I worked as a reporter and like, you just destroyed your skin all the time. So I always have like sk- crazy skincare to try and get all the makeup off my face.
0: I've, I've recently kind of gotten into that. I bought the, uh, what is it? The Pharrell face stuff with the powder and all of that. I'm like, oh, all right, good. it's, it's been working. <laughs> it's been working though. It's
1: when it works, you're like, well,
0: Cause it's, I'm like one of those guys that I get up in the morning and I put some water on my face and nothing's in my eyeballs. Good. Time to head to work. Mm-hmm. Last, last part of this rapid fire. And this will be like the last question. Um, favorite book. You're, you're a reader. So fa- favorite book. What do you got?
1: This is like picking your favorite child though. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if you work in a library, it's really, really hard to say. And my favorite book is usually whatever book I'm reading right now. So I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. Cause the I am reading right now is called, ironically, it's called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And it is a great book. I really am in love with this book. It's a page turner and I like it was funny. My team put together a top five list just this week of the top five things like most checked out at the library. And number one is The Midnight Library, that book. So good taste. I'm, in the middle of, <laughs> yes, I'm in the middle of reading that right now. So at least I'm on trend. Um, and my favorite book of all time is The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Um, I really, really appreciate just the messaging in that book. It's a short book. It's a fable. And I kind of just every few years I go back and read it again and again.
0: That's, that's great. Um, and it's good to hear, um, of a rereadable, if you will, like people that just go back to checking out books. Like, um, I, I do the ebook stuff. So I've just been doing a deep dive into Robert Green stuff. And I was like, all yeah. right, I'm just, it's just everyone that's, it's just in there. It's like, I'll go to sleep. Cause I like to process stuff when I'm sleeping and I'll wake up. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin's the King did do that, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like just operating with people and managing power and relationships with folks. So yeah, it's, um, it's good to hear. And I'm, I've been like the last three months. It's just been that on a loop.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel yeah I read right before I go to bed every single night and it probably does affect my dreams
0: so that's all the questions i have um and i like to invite all of my guests uh to um plug 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 away shamelessly plug your your enoch you know, Pratt, whatever you want to plug feel free plug away and thank you
1: okay thanks to plug well i mean First of all, we have our own podcast too, the Free to Be More podcast. I'll get in trouble if I don't plug that. So um, we are in our fourth season of the Free to Be More podcast, which you can find at prattlibrary.org. It's on SoundCloud, it's on YouTube, it's all it's a little bit of everywhere. Um, and so this season, we're looking at um, we kind of take a theme each season. This season, we're looking at what it means to be a healing city uh, because of the Healing Cities Act that was passed. So we have a lot of great guests with that, and then. For the library in general, what I say to everybody is come in the door and be a part of it because I think that there is something for everybody at the Pratt Library. And I really challenge people to come in because I dare you not to find something that's for you, whether it's an author talk, whether it's downloading eBooks, whether uh, you need to use our computers, um, but whether it's just being a supporter, um, coming to our black and white party. I mean, there's something really for everybody at the Pratt library and the Pratt really should be such a huge source of pride. For the city of Baltimore, I am proud to work there and I know everybody who works there feels the same way. They just want to help the city of Baltimore and be a change agent in Baltimore.
0: And what's that social media and and website for the library and just for, yeah,
1: we are prattlibrary.org. And if you look us up on Instagram, we're at Pratt Library and Twitter. And I think on Facebook, we're at the Pratt Library.
0: So there you have it, folks. Thank you again, Megan, for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.
0: So I'm Rob Lee for Megan McCorkle from the Pratt Library saying that there are libraries in and around Baltimore. You just got to read. You just got to get there, read, sign up for that e-card, get that e-library card, folks. It's a lot of of stuff on there. Check it out. Let's then the truth in this art.